The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation, boys and girls. I am your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, the terror of Mount Hood herself, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say, ah, Tam. Hi, everybody. Why can't I ever be America's sweetheart with you? Because you attach people up on Mount Hood, and I have a man lost is, his no, leg, Tammy. A man lost his leg. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Another one says you gave him rabies. I don't Allegedly. believe that one. I don't think you gave him rabies. I mean, I took you to the vet. You've had all your shots. I hate you. <laughs> all I, right. I just want to be America's sweetheart. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> that's fucked up. Um, I know. Thanks. He's such an asshole. Jesus Christ. He's very tall. or Sasquatch and biting people. He's just full of this, this this hatred and poisons in him. I just don't know what's wrong with him. Why Jesus. did she put up with this bullshit? I would have stabbed him. I, I thought about it. <laughs> All right, so this is part two to uh, Saturday's phone call from Keith Jesperson, your solo run. So let's get right into the call. Let's do it. Ding now. Yes. So, so basically, okay, what I'd like to are. say is uh, my family, by disowning me, is, is, is probably not a bad thing. You know, I mean, you have to understand that, you know, I come to prison right. and they want to live on and they don't want, they have to deal with the, the public on the street that probably look at them as being, you know, right. you know, they're, they're the brothers, so maybe it rubbed off on them, too, or something like that. They want to stay, you know, and you, you can imagine their kids getting teased at school and stuff like that. So I, I, can, I can fully understand right. why they, they'd rather just, you know, move on and not have to deal with Keith Jesperson. No, I and I understand what you're saying, and it's actually says a lot about you that you see it from that point of view too. They they, they can't they can't you know? dwell on the idea that their their brother is in prison and having to deal with the fact right. that on an everyday basis that uh, it 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 defines who they are, and you don't want that. You don't want to have right. that define no, who they are from where I'm sitting. So it's best. Right. It's like my bro- like my father right. telling and my kids that I thought of killing them to keep so that they would never have anything to do with me, so that they could have a life by themselves without worrying about uh, you know daddy in prison, and and the implications that right. you know the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree kind of thing. I want, right. I want to and get away wanna, from I want them, yeah. to, I want no, them I, to live their own life and not worry about, you know, where, I, where I'm going with right. this and how long I have to live here and all this other stuff. It's, it's, it's basically, uh, you know, it's like an abandonment. They abandon me, but that's okay because they need right. to. They need, they need to move on. Okay. You know, in that, like it. Well, no, and that actually, like I said, that speaks volumes to me of, of your type of character because um, you acknowledging the fact, hey, you don't want anything to do with me, but I understand and I'm okay with yeah. that. It's not all about you. Now, you know I, what I mean? You want what's best Brad. for them. I owed him about six grand, and it just bothered the hell out of me because I hear I owed him money, and I couldn't pay it back. And then... Because of my right. artistic talent, I've been able to pay him back. So within the last, you know, in the okay. last, I actually wow. paid him back with these, these six thousand plus interest. You know, I owed him, you know, for twenty seven wow. years. I had owed him this money, so I over the over the last, you know, few years, I've been able to send him nine thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Which, no, it just like I said, to me that speaks a lot of your character, which um whether people want to agree with me or not, I mean I am a one of those type of people that, you know, that your um character means a lot well, to I me. Have, you I know have what I mean? Morals. I'm I'm a serial like, killer with morals. <laughs> yeah. I, well see, and that's just it, is like yeah. whether people want to believe that or not, what you're saying make, makes a lot of sense because 
honestly, a lot of people in that situation would have, would be more like, why are they leaving me? Yes, I well, did this, but they're my family. Well, okay, so you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Two thousand and nine. Um, that question came up about Melissa having contact with her father. Right, and so Doctor Phil told mm-hmm. Melissa that no, 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 you can't have you don't leave your dad alone. Don't don't have contact. You should never contact your dad. And then Oprah, uh, on the other side of the coin, says, "But I'm still her dad." You know, and then she that she should contact right. me or at least come along those lines that that I am acknowledge that I'm still her father. That I still have something to do with her life. And it, it, it was it was kind of like right. a, at the time I was thinking, yeah, way to go, Oprah. You know, that's 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 fine. You know, but at the same time, I understand what Doctor Phil said. You know, but I think maybe Doctor Phil right. didn't want Melissa involved with me because I I'd square her up on what kind of tales she was telling. Right. Set, set, set the story straight, straight with, type you know, thing. You really need the, <laughs> the details. You know, it's in the details. Don't be going off on, on, on some right. other pattern. So, so now my, I, the letter I just got from my sister Sharon was, she has no idea what Melissa is doing, doesn't care. Because she doesn't want, uh, okay. she's made it such a, a big mockery out of the whole situation. And she's out there making, making the money wow. off this. And every time she talks about me, of course, I'm in the news again. And so she doesn't want to have to deal with my daughter bringing me my name up in the news all the time. Because here again, they want to what? move on. You know, it's like... It, right, because every time it's brought up, I mean, especially in small towns, it up. keeps, you know, it's like, up. oh, but they that's your brother. And, yeah. But my, my yeah. daughter, Melissa, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. like you grew up my, in, a, my in Portland. My daughter, Melissa, wants to uh, <laughs> keep bringing it up. And in doing that, you know, it, it, it brings, uh, you know... You can imagine the kids at school are saying, hey, I saw your uncle on TV again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when is the last time that you saw Melissa? She, she came in with her, her husband, okay. Sam Moore, and, the, and Aspen and Jake, the two, the two right. kids, and I played with the kids. And they, uh, I asked Melissa, is there anything you want to know? And she said no, other than, was she a good was she a good girl or a good kid when she was growing up? And I said, Yeah, you're a great kid. All you kids were great. That there weren't there, that wasn't the problem. Okay. You know, my, my issue was me. My issues were what I had done to me, and that's not had nothing to do with them. And I did, and I said to right. her, If you want to know anything, right. I'll it... tell you. But she didn't want to know at that time. And of course, a few years later, she was on some retreat with Dr. Phil and all of a sudden she decided she's going to tell stories and, and uh, nobody's, nobody's questioning her, nobody's debating her on the facts, so she just tells what she wants to tell. But she's been a storyteller all her life. Well, see, and that's... Yeah, that's not, that's not the oh, show. I mean, okay. I mean, well, yeah. she said, she'd always say she was attacked by a couple girls in the park and but she had no bruises or no, no nothing on her or something like that. She was just... You know, telling me how she had to run away, but she didn't run away from anybody. She couldn't run. She wasn't that energetic. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that yeah. was that was me growing up. I mean, I ran a mile every day in high school, but yeah, I never well, ran it fast. Melissa wouldn't run anywhere. <laughs> I bought her a bicycle. She wouldn't ride the bike. She thought oh. it was just you know beneath her to ride a bike. You know, get in the car and drive me somewhere, Dad. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. You know, we call those yeah, things okay. first world problems. All right. <laughs> but no, um, no, no, because I was wondering, because I, like, I've been, every, you know, because it's like I go through and I try to, you know, like I said, I corroborate what you say and everything. And um, I came across another article that she had written, like, within the last couple of years that said that, uh, her biggest debate now is whether she should reach out to you again. And I'm like, you know, and if I do, does that mean he won? And I'm like, well, what does she, that have to do with letter, anything? She wrote a letter you know, to me. Uh, you know, she's on my visiting list with her new husband. 
you know, they, they applied and they got on my visiting list, but at the, they wrote a letter to me. I didn't, I hadn't talked to her, but I read a letter to me and where she said, well, she'd like to come in with a TV camera. And I, and I, I wrote back, I said, no, you're not coming back oh. with a TV camera. They're not going to let you. And I don't want to make, I do not want to make uh, yeah, I was gonna uh, say our, they new, won't... our next visit together a public, you know, out, out in the open. This is private. We don't yeah. need to talk about this. Exactly. Well, see, and that's where I would be, too. It's like, okay, if she wants to reach out to you as you being her father, then yeah. that should be on a personal level, not well, a professional level. I have a feeling she's level. listening on Brutal Nation. And she's hearing me. Oh, I'm pretty sure you know, she, she might she's, be too. She's watching, and, and <laughs> I mean, all this is coming out, and, and we're clarifying all these little stories of hers. And of course, in doing that, she's going to be, you know, the facts are the facts. That's what they are. And I, I got right. a feeling she's she's hating it because it means confrontation. She'll have to be confronted with it. Yeah, well, right. Well, not just that. It's, I mean, like I said, um, and I'm going to, let's go off the assumption she is listening, you know, and because yeah. I'm pretty sure she probably is. But I, I will, again, invite her publicly. Come on yeah. the air with us. Talk to us about this. If you want to dispute anything, you yeah. know, your dad has to say, let us know. We will, well, I, we will I, give I you that platform. That's 100%. But we she are. Wants to come on, let's do this. Come yeah. on, out, let's debate this. Let's get yeah. let's put this out in the I open. Mean, let's have this conversation. Uh, let's put everything out on the open so that uh, right. you know we can clarify everything you've been trying to say. Exactly, and I mean, if she has, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, I also understand, you know, in life that there's always three sides to every story. What happened? I mean, the person who it happened to sees it from one point of view. The person who did it sees it from another. And then there's the truth, you know, because everybody well, interprets I'll, things differently. let me differently. tell you a little story. Uh, you know. I used to work for a company called Muffet & Sons, which is in Buena in the Yakima Valley. And I was running heavy equipment for them. I was running backhoes, wheel trenchers, and so forth. But we had a job in Mattawa. We were putting irrigation systems in the orchard. Now, we had a, uh, a Mexican... Uh, you know, interpreter that was a foreman. Now, we had some illegals that worked for us, glue and pipe and so forth. Apparently, this guy had taken this one gal out into the back of the orchard and had attacked her, supposedly. This is what I was told. And there was a supposedly rape and brutal attack. And, of course, she is claiming that that's what happened, and he says it didn't. And then I ran into this when I was in the office back in, over by Buena. I was in there and I was listening to my bosses talking. Now, Mike Muffett, the older brother, was talking. He was siding with the girl. He said, this needs to be taken care of. Pat, he, he, had, a, he had his, uh, his foreman that he needed out on the job site. He's a fearful that if he sided with the girl that, He'd have to get rid of his foreman that spoke Spanish and been around the crew, and he didn't want to have to do that. So he was he was siding with the guy, and I was listening to this as they went back and forth on this. And I stopped him. I said, "Hey, wait a minute, guys. All right, let's just look at it this way. Said, you have you want to believe her, you want to believe him, but you have to understand there's one thing you don't you have to take into consideration." There's, there's his story, there's her story, and there shouldn't be a story. This whole thing should not be, should not right. be a story. You shouldn't have one. And if you don't look at it in a business sense, if you don't take the right side, you're gonna this, this woman could probably sue you and own your company, and you're gonna be the side story. So you need to take care of this. You need right. to go through the, the police department or. Or, or payoff of some sort to make this go away, because if it's not going to go away, it's going to cause problems. And I don't know how they did it, but eventually it went right. away, right? Now, I, I, from right. what I understood, the, the foreman disappeared. I don't know where he went. don't care. And I don't know where the girl went. She probably went back to Mexico. But there was a payoff somewhere along the way to make this go away. 
Well, like you said, there's a there's a there's a there's a right. right story, a wrong story, then there's also a story that is about the whole story. And you want to get away from that whole exactly. story. You want exactly. There's a story there. Right. Ex- well, and that's just it. Is you know, it's like. I know it's 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 hard for me to explain because you know I'm not in that situation too, but except for the fact that, I mean, and I'm not relating anything of what she went through going up to what how you know what I went through, but I grew up in an abusive family, you know what I mean? I there was a lot of abuse in my household, and it's like, but the thing is about that is my sister and I. We're abused by the same people, yeah, but we see it differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? And so that's how I'm looking at it. But it's not like I'm out there trying to, like, it, it, um, expound on well, it not, and gonna, like blow it out of proportion. It to her that and, like, that you're away because she thinks it's another way. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, like when it comes to Melissa's case, I mean, I'm looking at it like this is, yes, what happened to her happened to her growing up. Okay. I'm yeah. not going to argue any, you know, it's like, you know, but at the same time, I don't believe that she should be exaggerating facts in order to, well, you know, get more people's attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. She ran out of, you know, like right. she said one time, you know, that uh, it wasn't juicy enough. You have to you have to expand upon this to make this more yeah. interesting to read, kind of a thing. And I'm like, and, and I got yeah. that from other people, no. other writers. Yeah. They're all doing the same thing. We have to expand upon this to make it more entertaining. You know, you walk. You know what's really weird about how you when you say that to me because to me your story is entertaining in the fact that it. It doesn't fit the mold or anything. You know what I mean? The standard mold of what people expect. You know, I I, I commit a murder and two people stand up and take the blame for it. But we find out later that they they ran into corrupt cops. And prosecutors are willing to put them away just because they could. I have have another case there in in Livingston, California, where uh, someone else put a body within 50 feet of where I had put one. And because mine had not been found, mine had not been found, oh, wow. they're trying to tie me to the one that has been found. Although the one that has been found died of a drug oh, overdose, wow. the one that I put there died of strangulation. And because, and only because, wow. initially when I was arrested, they, they, they tied me to her, Cynthia Lynn Rose, as being mine, and it's not mine. But because the press told me it was mine, I told I said, "Well, it must be mine then." I, I, I assume that's who it is they're talking about. Little did I know that they had not found they had not found the one uh. that I put there, but only found the one that had someone else had put there. Okay, so basically, because you didn't know that it was another body I there, assumed it was mine. so I you just assumed it was the reason, one that you put. There. The only reason I found out it okay. wasn't was in 2009 when I was being sent down to. Riverside County, California, the detective handed me a picture. Right. And he asked me, well, tell me about it. And I looked at the picture and said, I don't know who that is. And he said, well, that's that's your Cynthia Lynn Rose case. Oh. There. And I said, well, no, no, no. So the one I put there was in the dirt parking lot. That one there was completely was under a tree somewhere. Uh, and that was on the back of the lot by oh. this, this old shack building or something like that. And there's a, a bunch of trees there. Well, I didn't put that one there. I put mine in, a, in the middle of a dirt parking lot. Was, the dirt was when you step on it, it just kind of flowed everywhere. And, then, and of course, they've never found right. that one, and they're, they're still looking. Well, I have that, that writer, Briarly Mitchell, is trying to get a dog team in there to, to try to find it, but they're, they're, she's running into roadblocks every time she turns around. They don't want. They don't want to find. They do not want to find right. the one I put there. They just want to assume that I'm the one that did the other one, even though, even though she died of a drug overdose. And I and I'm not into drugs. I wasn't into drugs. Yeah. That's kind of thing. So anyway. Right. And did you no, smoke, smoke or drink or anything? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming really you drank, drank because you talked about on one hand how many yeah. beers I'd have in a year. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just. 
Wow. Oh, so you're not into toilet wine? (laughs) Sorry, inside joke. But I said, so you're not into toilet wine? Pruno? No. You know, Pruno? Pruno? Jailhouse juice? (laughs) I I have to clean up after these guys that do that. It is. is I know. Isn't it gross? You can smell Pruno in this place everywhere. Because, yeah, because I don't. Because I don't yeah, do it. Yeah, well, and the sad part is, is... Other people that other people that do it all the time oh, yeah. are, are immune to it. They don't even know that how bad, how bad they're burping. Yeah, they're nose blind. Their cell. They're, making such, they're making such a mess of it. They don't yeah, understand that everybody else can smell it on them and it, it, because they're not doing it. <laughs> well, and I told Scott, I said, you know, I, I had some one time because I had to, because, you know, it's something you have to try, but I regret it. It's the one thing, one of the major gloves. regrets in my life. <laughs> there, you're getting cross-contamination right? about everything. You, there's, there's nothing sanitary about it. No. no. Yeah, nothing, nothing at all. So, um, then, um, oh, I have I have to say this because I promised Scott I would. This is going to sound weird, but um, some time ago I was asked by somebody who should not have asked me this question, and Scott says now I have to ask everybody who comes on our show. But have you ever, have been, ever tied been tied up, tied Keith? Up? <laughs> no, I would never allow anyone yeah. to tie me up. I'll I'll explain the okay. I'll explain the joke in a second here because. When my dad was here and he was on hospice, he was on he was high on morphine, and we got into a conversation one time. And him and I and my best friend were having dinner one day, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he turns around, and looks at me, and goes, "Have you ever been tied up, Tammy?" And now Scott thinks it's the funniest thing well, ever. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, you see it on TV all the time. I would never. I would never let anyone have that much control over me. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But, um, so then, um, dang it, there was one more thing I wanted to bring up, too, before the end of this call, um, and it was, oh, back when you were 14, now, I read somewhere that that was when you said you had your first sexual experience, but somebody also said that you later described it as rape, was it? That you raped somebody, okay. or they well, let's raped just you, or what? Clarify this now. I was in Westport, which okay. is a fishing village over there on the Pacific Coast, there in Washington by Aberdeen. Uh, my dad had taken in, okay. my dad and Vic Jacobs, his fr- older friend, and myself had went over there to do some salmon fishing. We were driving an Explorer twenty-five foot motorhome. And we got over there, and I went fishing for the first day with them, and they only, Vic was the only one that caught a fish, and and then uh, we decided to camp out by the by the coast there, and uh, when we were in this park, it was like a state park, and we went in this uh, parking spot. I went down on the beach that night, and I walked down there, and there was this gal down there that had a fire going, and I sat down with her. Uh, she invited me over. I was like, you know, 14 years old. Sat down with her, and we just watched the fire. And that was it. I mean, I had a, a good time. It was no, there was no kissing. There was no handling. There was no sex. There was no nothing. We just, I just sat there with her, and until it got late, I, I walked with her back to her camper. And then in the morning, I got up and went down. I wanted to see her again, and I walked down, and she'd already taken off in her camper. So that was the extent of the whole damn thing, was that I had spent, uh, you know, several hours oh. with a girl down on the beach while she had this, had this fire going, and we were just sitting there staring at the, you know, at the waves and everything like that. And it was just a, it was a fun kind of like a little beach party. We didn't have no sex. It was just one of those things that... Um, I just, I just liked her. She was probably 18 to maybe she's in her mid twenties. I'm not sure. But yeah, that was, uh, okay. everyone just thought, well, maybe I had a first successful sexual experience. Well, she was kind of, uh, you know, shanty clad. She didn't have much clothes on, but that's okay. You know, she was on the beach probably, you know, anyway, right. so. It's such a long, long time ago. I mean, okay, then, I would have, you know, in in, in hindsight, right. I probably wish I had sex with her. 
No, no. I mean, and from what I, I'm hearing you saying, and it could just be, you know, that it might not have been your first sexual experience, but it, it was, was the first kind of intimate nice experience you had with somebody. That, or a girl that would talk to me. Right. Yeah, I mean... Right, which I mean, which a lot of people think that intimacy it is sex, but it's not. It's it's more. It's on a deeper level than that. You know, I was just walk along, and then this is you know, you okay, got no, you know, I was fourteen. I was six foot one. So I looked. I looked probably right. older no, than I, I was, and then and she just invited me over by the fire, and she wanted company, and I gave her company. We just talked. I don't know what the hell we talked about. We didn't talk about, you know. It was just something there. Right. So in the morning, I went over, I, I walked wow. over to where she, her, her camper, her pickup camper had been parked, and she was already gone. So that was my experience mm-hmm. with her. Now, okay. Yeah. I was, in hindsight, you know, a childhood's dream, well, maybe, yeah, that might have been a great idea to rip off the clothes and go for it, but that wasn't okay. what was going on. No, no, no. I mean, and I, I actually really understand what you're saying there. Um, so then, um, oh, you can tell me if it's too personal. When was My your first sexual first experience? sexual experience was in, um, I was actually 14 years old, but I was in Fogo Island, Newfoundland. There's a, if you go, if you look on oh, Newfoundland. Okay. Uh, you go to Gander, you go straight north. There's an island up there called Fogo Island. It was a little... It, we went up there my, in 1969. My dad took us kids on a on a journey across the United States where we traveled around 33 different states and several provinces of Canada. And we stayed okay. up at... And my Uncle Ivan was a minister on Fogo Island. Now, while we were there for a brief period of about three weeks... I'd met a, a woman by, a, you know, she was 18. I was, eight, I was, I was, her name was Betty Ford of all names. And yeah, I, I've had, you know, <laughs> and, and I had, I didn't have penetrating sex with her, but I'd seen her, her, her she was okay. naked from the top down, right down to her waist, and okay. it, it actually disgusted me, right? Because, in well, you know. Oh. It, and there's no sun up there. And so she had no tan. Oh, and yeah, yeah, all yeah. her blood vessels and her breasts were exposed, right? So it kind of looked like varicose oh, veins okay, around yeah, the breast. Yeah. <laughs> no, so no, it was it, I, I see like, what you're saying. What I, the hell? Yeah. You know? And, and she was, now, you have to understand, Fort right. Island was all cod fishermen, and these girls that are on the island were trying to get off the island to go to the mainland, and the only way that they could get off the island was to marry someone and go. And it wouldn't be uncommon for an 18-year-old to marry a 14-year-old on the island back in 69. And so me being six foot one and stuff like this, and I had a motorcycle at the time, so I I had something more than a lot of them had. And uh, I was there with Betty right. Ford for about two of the weeks I was there. And then, then I went to a dance, and I came home with another girl that was 16 years old with nice long, long hair. And I kind of got, got caught up in her long hair kissing on her that night. And, of course, Betty found out the next morning because everybody talked, right? So everybody was talking about how I was now with the 16-year-old, and Betty got all upset and, and my dad said I was having girl problems, and I said, I'd better just quit while I'm at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get, out, let's get away this from this. Now. I, was just 14. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was, I was just liking kiss on these yeah, girls. I mean... I, that was my, my whole experience. And then Betty was disrobing herself up there on the hills one day, and I, it's kind of like it was almost a turnoff to me because it was just because of the blood vessels and all that. And yeah. and I, I, I didn't know what to expect. And let's just face it, I didn't know what to expect. Right. Yeah, it was... Well, you know, I hate, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, now, so, now I know what girls are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Well, yeah. I was, yeah. I was uh, naive know. back then and... Um, 
I probably should have, I might, if I had taken advantage right. of that, I mean, let's say I'd gotten her pregnant, if I had gone that far, I had gotten her pregnant, I'm sure that my uncle, being a minister on the island, would probably have made a contact with me, and I would have had to make it right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, therefore, Rose and Melissa and your other yeah. children never would have happened. Yeah, I would have been with, I would have been with Betty Ford. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> Yeah, not the president's wife. Yeah. Right. No, no. I mean, that actually clears up a lot, actually, and it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. Okay. Well, I I heard we got that last one minute warning again. Now, um, well, I can't. Did you want to call back or no? Not this week. Okay. Okay. I was going to say it's up to you because, you know. Okay. All right. All right. I will talk to you in a few Mike. more minutes. Mike. Okay. So there's a there's a little okay. story no, I want to tell back. you about uh, when I was up in Canada uh, dealing with. I had a friend of mine named Joe Smoker. He's a he's a an Indian, and his grandfather had uh, okay. had a trout pond, and we used to fish the trout pond. But back then, the salmon they'd have tags on the salmon. And they offered a bounty. Right. If anyone were to, you know, the fishermen along the river, especially on the bed and the Fraser River, if anyone were to find a, a tag, that they would remove the tag from the salmon and take it to any one of seven check stations around the valley. And they would give a bounty, and they'd, they'd mark it in their ledger. And this is prior to computers, right? So they just mark it in their ledger. Right. And then where the... And, they take the information where the fish was found and all this, and so they knew where the, the migrations were going and everything like that. It was all a study. And it was like a 50 cents per tag. It was 50 cents or a dollar. It's one of the two. I think, I think it was 50 cents. Anyway, so Joe and I right. would hike up and down the Fraser and the, and the Vetter Rivers and all the other tributaries looking for these salmon that were spawned and had tags in them so we could cut them out and go down and get our bounty. Well, we got tired of finding dead salmon along the river, so we started bringing our fishing poles with treble hooks and spark plugs in behind us so we could jig the salmon, pull them in, take the tags out, and release the salmon back in the river, and then take the tags down and, and, and get them. So we were, we were in the river and we were seeing the salmon come up with the tags, and we were jigging them, and we were pulling them in and, and cutting the tags out of them, and then put them in a bag, and then we'd go to a check station, and we'd turn them in for the bounty. Well, we'd have maybe 10 or 15 tags when we got to the one check station, and we'd hand them in, and then we'd sit outside and we'd watch. And the, these, they'd go over there and mark these in their ledger, and then when it got done, these stinky, salmon-smelly, you know, tags, they'd throw them in the trash can. Well, Joe and I would run up to the trash can, we'd pull them back out of the trash can with all the other ones he threw away, and we'd go to the next tech station, and we'd turn those in again, right? <laughs> and we would repeat so the you process get <laughs> through all of the, all, all seven of the check stations. So we'd get paid on the bounty, you know, seven times, plus all the other ones that other people had. Now, the following wow. year, they had caught on, of course, and they kept all the tags instead of just <laughs> chucking them out in the trash can because they didn't realize what we kids were doing. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I right, had to throw right. that in there. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the things we did when, you know, no. our enterprising moments uh, as kids, uh, and, you know, nine, ten years <laughs> old, what we're going to do is ride our bicycles and, and go and make making $150 in a day on tags. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On tags. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and I guess, I guess that's what a lot of people aren't going to understand is that for all intents and purposes, you had a roughly a normal I mean, childhood. Have, there are things that we did and we got in problems and got in trouble with. Okay. So right. in, in punishment at school, I don't know if you're aware about how the, the capital-type punishment they had in the, in the school districts in Canada were. Oh, yeah. You know, they, 
Okay, so in here... Oh, I don't know about okay, Canada, I'll, but I'll I know corporal this. punishment here. So Joe and I got in a fight one time, and they called into the principal's office, and we were told to stand there now. Uh, they came out with this thing, it's called a beaver tail. It's a handle, and it has a strap about a foot long, and it's braided, it's leather with braided stainless steel wire over, like like herringbone, over the top of it. And it's 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 hard. You know, and it, mm -hmm. it has some flex to it. And the wire opens up and it would tear in the skin and stuff like So we were told to hand, put our hands out with our, our palms up. And he would swing with his, with all his might onto our palm with this rat tail three times on each hand and then return it again. So we'd get it six times per hand. Then we'd take it into the washroom and put our swollen hands under the cold water to release the swelling. That was the norm up there, which was brutal, right. right? I mean, it was just brutal punishment. I remember Joe, once right. he, he pulled his hand back because he didn't want to get a hit. The guy hit his mahogany desk and actually put a dent in his desk. That's how hard he was swinging it. Now, that was the oh, punishment wow. we had up there, and I was like, now, wow. I probably got that, that handle on my hand three times. I think it was about three times. One was Joe, you know, okay, about three times I got, I got hit with the... Uh, had to go in the office and get that. Now, every time I got punished at school, I get punished at home because I got punished at school. Now, when we moved, when we moved to the States, oh, yeah. uh, we got down there now in Yakima, like I said, there's only seven inches of rainfall a year. And while we're in Sela, and I, all of a sudden, it was the first winter where we were there, it snowed. And it only snowed maybe an inch or two inches of snow. And then, of course, there's a big intercom thing, and I, no more, no throwing snowballs and anything like that. Well, that didn't stop us. We're all throwing snowballs anyway. So I grabbed this snowball, and I'm throwing it. I, 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 a kid threw one at me, and I grabbed it, and I, I threw it, and I threw it without thinking. And the principal was walking around the corner. I hit him right in the, right in the forehead. And, and the principal sent me off to the principal's Oops. office, of course. And I get there, and there's a line of kids, probably 20 right. kids long waiting to get their paddle. And that's what it was, it was a, a wooden paddle. And they, he swatted you on the butt one time. That was your punishment. I mean, I walked in there and they told me, well, bend over. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he takes this wooden paddle and he swats my right. butt. And, and that was it. All right? I said, and I looked at him, I said, that's it? That's all you're gonna do? That's all? And was, that's that's so, all. <laughs> I walked right. out, what did I do? I grabbed another snowball and started throwing it. I said, that's because that was all, all the punishment I was going to get. I said, screw this. I'll just keep throwing snowballs. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, yo. Me. <laughs> Canada was way worse. If it was like Canada, right. I would like, no, I'm not throwing any snowballs. That right. In Canada, I wouldn't have been able to throw another snowball because my hand would be so swollen. But, but in punishment down okay. here... Now, they, they have now, eliminated that in Canada, I'm sure. You know, the, that kind of oh, punishment yeah. has gone out the wayside. No, and I know they they've eliminated that. it here. <laughs> but but even the you know the paddle down yeah. here, I don't know if they still have that in schools or not, but I never really dealt with that. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I remember when I was in middle school that two kids got into a fight and the secretary who was all of five foot two was dragging them down the oh, hallway by their yeah. ears, you know, and they were like, we're sorry, we're sorry. You know, it's like everybody was scared of her, but nobody cared about the principal. But nowadays, if something like that happens, because my son just graduated in 2019, if anything like that happens, they're to stand back yeah, and let the involved. fight happen. They're not yeah, to get involved. It's changed quite a bit. You know, because then somebody can say, well, they hit me too. Yeah. And you know, all that other stuff. It's like, you know, yeah, there's so much. That. No. But, but back then. No. No, yeah, you're not allowed then, to do that was, anything. That was like the norm. That I told the teacher what I, I wasn't expecting to get. And they looked at me like I was crazy. You know, going right back to crazy Uncle Charlie. Right. <laughs> I'm crazy right. because I'm thinking right? about exactly. the, the capital punishment <laughs> of being, you know, you know, the, the herringbone on, the, on that stainless steel would bite your skin and pull little chunks off of your hand. Right. Right. So when you, you couldn't you couldn't go to go home and, and face the old man because here your hands are swollen because you can't you know because they're because they swatted them six times. 
Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, and I know we kind of touched on this in an, in an earlier call a couple weeks ago, but a lot of reports indicate that your father was a heavy alcoholic and very abusive. Now, well, was, my father, is any of that true? You know, he, he said he wasn't an alcoholic, although he said he did consume a lot of alcohol. And, okay, so okay. His, his, his drink of choice was a Seagram 7 bottle underneath the, uh, the, the seat of his pickup truck. Now, he would he would buy a pop, okay. and he'd hand the pop to me or one of the other kids, and we get to drink that down halfway. Then we got really good at pulling the bottle out from underneath the pickup seat and pouring the rye into it without spilling into this Coke bottle. So we, And we'd shake it up and hand it to him. And he'd sip on that all day. And that was his, his drink of choice. Okay. But he'd start about 9 o'clock in the morning, and he'd still be drinking at 9 at night. Now, yes, he was an alcoholic. He finally admitted that later in life. But it wasn't, um, he, he wasn't right. a, you know, what do you call a, a you know, a, an angry drunk. Or main drunk. He a wasn't main a main drunk. drunk. It was like that. But he got... Okay. You know, he had he had his issues, and uh, I would say that's kind of the thing. Right. But uh, uh, as far as punishment goes, I mean, I remember getting the the belt, and I maybe I uh, maybe ten times in my life. I mean, I got the belt. I mean, that's a normal kid. I mean, I wasn't okay. getting it every day. I know, but I was I was singled out sometimes right. because my father wanted me to do. You know the backhoe work, and everybody else went to college, kind of thing. But there was no. Uh, I, I, and he wanted. He, you know. Okay. When he was raised in Piapot, Saskatchewan, the kids worked in the in, in the business of the dad. They're all. They all learned blacksmithing. They all learned right. all of this. I mean, this is this is what they did. So this is a norm. This is a norm. You know, uh-huh. taught to all of us, Jespersons, was that we. We work the family unit. This is what we did. We don't. We weren't. Right. We didn't come home and play, watch TV, uh, and sit back and do nothing. We came home, and if there's stuff to do, we had to do it. And that was the norm of of the Jesperson family. Okay. And that was we just we right. just had normal it's lives. Well, I, that's how we saw it. it was normal lives. Okay. Yeah, because that 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 was going to be my question is um, is if he was just strict and it's what you considered normal, but other people looking back on well, it think that know, was abuse. Nowadays, I mean, I'm sure someone would call it abuse. Someone yelling at you, telling you they've been right. using the belt would be abuse. I raised my I raised my kids without the belt. I know. I told my dad that you cannot. I mean, okay. I left my kids with my father. Uh, over at Sand Lakes, the state park there in the summertime, I'd leave my, but, you know, I'd, I'd sit my dad down and say, hey, my kids will not, we do not punish my kids with a belt or backhand or anything. We do not spank them. We give them a timeout. This is what we do. We right. give them a timeout. We don't, we don't do this. I'm not going to allow you right. to touch my kids. And he was about ready to get up and, and tell me what to do. And I said, no, dad. You cannot touch my kids. You touch them, you'll never see right. them again. And that's what I told him. And, he's, and okay. th- I came back, you know, the next weekend, and he was like, oh, my God, your kids are so well-behaved. And I said, well, yeah, because they, they don't want to offend you. And they, they, you know, Jason right. had needed a little time out once, and that was it. But it was they were so amazing. Now, my brother's right. kids, my, brother, my older brother's kids, he, had, he has to wear them out with his belt or, or his hand or something because they're used to it <laughs> right the kids are used to getting spanked and so right. they, they they push it until they get spanked my kids never got spanked i'm sorry i mean i never did i never never swung on them i refuse to do that right right you know and i think a lot of it is too because a lot of people i mean look at our childhood growing up, because like I said, we grew up in different generations than what's being raised now. And it's like, I tell people all the time, yes, I was abused, but 
there were a lot of instances in my life too where I knew the difference. Well, it, it was discipline, not abuse. You know other what I mean? Women in my life that, that after my divorce, I was I was dating women that had children, mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way they treated their children. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't stick around. I didn't want to be around them when they okay. were punishing their kids. I no. thought, I'm not dealing with this. I said, I can't touch your kids. I'm not going to touch your kids. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, you know, I'm right. not going to fall in love and marry you because you're you're beating your kids all the time. I'm not going to get involved in that. You know? Right. Right. No, I, have I her mean, standards. that, I that don't makes want a lot of sense. sense. I, it I, makes I, total I love sense, Roberta, actually. but, you know, she smoked and I... And she was really harsh on her kids all the time. I, I just couldn't take it. I had to leave. I had to leave. I had to get yeah. out of her life. I just, just couldn't. You know, the, the sex was great. Get me wrong. I mean, the sex was great. However, the rest was just like, it was like, no, I can't right. deal with this. You know? I mean, there's... Okay. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I think that that helps clear it up, too, because, you know... Like I said, a lot of people, like writers and stuff nowadays, will be like, oh, well, his dad drank and he was abused, so, you know, that's all he knew. Um, so to hear you telling it from the point of view, it's like I didn't feel like I was abused. I felt like I was disciplined. You yeah, know, he never, says he never a different went out thing. of his way. He never went out of his way yeah. to, to slap me around. You know. Th- and it's not like you well, didn't know when a, it was coming or, you know what I mean? One time when that he was kind of drunk, thing? Only because... The RCMPs, when we were on vacation, uh, it, uh, something had happened between my brother and my sister, and they, they got out of the car, the pickup that I was driving, and the RCMPs had picked them up and brought them back to our lodge, and then my dad showed up about the same time the RCMPs showed up, and he was mad that the RCMPs had brought them back, and he didn't know all the facts. He had no idea, over it, but all he, all he knew right. is that I screwed up somewhere, and we we got in, and this is when I'm 16, and I could fight back if that was the case. And, and I just stood there, and, and I was standing by a steel pole, and he swung on me, and, it, and I ducked, and he hit his, pole, his hand against the steel pole. I think he broke a bone or two or something like that in his hand. But he was sobered up when he sobered up and, and heard all the facts. Oh, he was mad at them. He wasn't mad at me. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with right. alcohol. Alcohol, you, you never okay. control your faculties, and oh, you yeah. can be easily talked into anything. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, because that kind of that makes sense now, you know, because um, there were a lot of stories that you got in trouble by your dad for things well, that other people had done and, you know, that he well, took it out on you a lot. and running a backhoe, stuck the backhoe bucket through a house one time. And, and then when he did that, he got off right. the backhoe, walked over to the people that watched him stick the bucket into the house and told them that I had done it. And he was going to go and get the insurance company. And, and right. they asked, and the people asked me, said, well, why do you let your dad tell you that you're the one who did it when I saw him do it? And he said, because the boss is always right. <laughs> that was my you know, it was the way oh, my well, dad looked at it. The boss is always <laughs> right. You can't, you, you know. You, right. <laughs> I looked right at the people. I said, yeah, I go through this all the time. Right. You know, and, and that was after his accident on my yeah. motorcycle. He had, you know, his vision wasn't great, so he had to wear a patch on one eye. But when he didn't, he had a hard time with depth perception. That's what the problem was. So he had to, oh, yeah. you know, so he, he sucked a bucket okay. in, and then he, then he got all upset, and then, of course, he went and told them I had done it, so that yeah. the blame would not go to, to the boss, and that's the way he always looked at it. Was it right. fair? No, but that's, so, that's how so it in is. Other words, yeah. Right. So, in other words, though, you didn't go through your childhood or whatever, like, wondering, you know, am, am I going to get beat for this, even though no, it's, I didn't do anything case. wrong? If, okay. If I, if I got in okay. trouble, I knew I was going to get it. I was going to get it. You know, I was. You know, right, if I right, did right. No, wrong, yeah. I, I, get I mean, it. that wasn't uh, that wasn't the issue. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, because I always related to you know because my stepdad. I never knew. We never knew if we were going to get in trouble by him. I mean, we could like sneeze funny and he we'd get in trouble. I remember I asked the question why one time. Yeah, it was the last thing why. I ever should have done. 
Um, just do it. Just move. Just yeah. You know, and it was like he. When, when dad, my dad was drinking. Yeah. Don't. Well, what I had to do is when and I told yeah. my sisters and my brothers this, I said, "You have to understand when dad's drinking to leave him alone." You just not be there. I mean, right. when, he, when he comes in, you don't be there when he's there, so that uh, he has an, an issue. Right. If he has an issue, then he has an issue. But he usually takes it out on the first one that he sees. <laughs> so you don't want to be there. That's right. that's how you that's how yeah, you I mean, deal with it with someone that's drinking all the time. Right. You don't give him. It's like uh, I was playing oh, no, cribbage totally. with a friend of mine, and my friend said, "Quit your cheating, case, Right. And my dad says, well, you, you wouldn't cheat your old man, would you? And I was like, Dad, I'm not cheating. He was just kidding. And we had a hell of a time. Because he was drinking, he couldn't comprehend the fact that he thought that, right. you know, hell, I had to count his hand all the time anyway. So, yeah, he was, you know, he was, right, you know, right. I, I wouldn't <laughs> cheat your old man. He was a, and a lot of that was, was not not serious. It was like, like in right. jest, you know, it's like, like guys do. Guys get in this argument, like, you're not going to cheat right. me. Right. You know? Yeah, it's just, it's one of the no, common no. things. You guys kid each no, other I mean, all the time, so sometimes that's what happens. You have to take it with a grain of salt, right? Right. Right. And we also have to understand, too, that they were raised in a of different course. generation than yeah. we were. You know? And so, because my grandpa, my, my maternal grandfather was a major part of my life up until he died when I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. And um, he was the one that I never wanted yeah, to disappoint. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it was like, and I know, because I always thought, you know, I, and, it, and it's like he never said the words, I love yeah, you. Well, we, we you know what I mean? And he was we always teaching us well, lessons. My mother on her deathbed, yeah. my dad said, go in there right. and kiss your mother and tell her you love her. And I, I got in there and talked to her, and I said, you know, I've never said I love you, Mom. I find it, I find it odd that I right. have to tell you I love you when you're dying. Right. It, well, and that's just it. It's like, you know, when because my, my grandpa died suddenly yeah. when I was 13 of a heart attack. And... I remember, like, after that point is when I started to rebel. Because now Grandpa's not yeah. around. I don't have anybody to disappoint. But um, he was always teaching us lessons. Now, to me, there's a difference between teaching me a lesson and just beating the snot yeah. out of me because you're angry. Well, I had a grandfather, you know? uh, my grandfather so, Roy Bellamy. Yeah. He took me fishing all the time. And, of course, he only took me fishing most of the time because the rest of the kids didn't have the patience right. for it. You know, he didn't want to have, you know, four kids on the boat, and, and three of them are going like, when are we going home? I don't have time for this. This, this right, is right. biting. Yeah. Yeah. They call it fishing for a reason. They don't call it, you know, catching. But they don't call it they catching. Don't, they, they don't call, call it fishing catching. for a reason. That's right. <laughs> and I had the mentality yeah. of being able to sit in the boat and, and listen to my grandfather tell me how how we're catching salmon and so forth. You know, some days he'd catch all the fish, and the other days I'd catch all the fish, or we'd both catch fish. It's just one of those things. But when right. he died, right. my father, my we went up to my grandma's house, and then he had given me the boat as well as all the fishing stuff. And I got this, but I, but I also right. had to share with my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. no, I, I mean, I get it. I, under, I mean, I understand that. Because um, they didn't fish, I didn't care. Yeah, so. Because they would never share with it because they didn't want to go fishing <laughs> anyway. So I, I was basically in control of everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my grandfather took us fishing a lot, too, growing up. I mean, I have some weird fishing stories, but. Um, no, they, um no, so, I mean, I guess it's like, I, so I understand what you're saying is that it, it wasn't a directly no. like you were singled out and you didn't know, you know, that no matter what, you knew no, you were going to get your butt whooped that day. I thought that I was being singled out because I was with my dad all the time. I was the kid that, that hung with my dad all the time. Right. See, this is... Okay. We were, so you yeah, and your dad I mean, were pretty close I went, then? I went horseback riding up in the hills okay. and, and we weren't uh, fishing up in the hills and stuff like that and... and uh, there got to a point where, right. where he took me out to Westport. I was with him salmon fishing. 
where my other brothers and sisters at. They were doing their own right, school right. thing or whatever else. But I was with my father, and I, I, I was okay. working with him in the businesses. I run the punch press. I was running the back on okay. the dump truck business then. There's, and I welded mm-hmm. in his shop. When he needed extra help, I was always there. So, yes, and then in the mobile home park, I was right. the manager of his park. I helped build the park. Okay. So everything was right. came through. So, everything he did, I did. I was licensed and bonded for soil testing and septic tank installations and all that. And that's what we did. Right. My brother Bruce and Brad, they weren't. They didn't do okay. any backhoe work. They went to college. Right. Yeah. So this is this is. Okay. They're all talking like they singled me out. Well, I was always with Dad. That's why everyone thinks they single. He singled me out, but I was always there working, working with him. Okay. Okay. So you guys had a very, a, basically yeah, a good father-son relationship. Business and everybody else was going to college right. around me. Right. Yeah, that's just how it is. Okay. So. So then. Like I said, anytime I ask you a question, you can always say you're not ready to answer. You don't want to answer it. Um, but when you got arrested then, because you guys were so close, what, oh, was, what was uh, his reaction? Uh, floored. He was floored. He didn't understand. Okay. He, he thought because one of his biggest vices was drugs. He says, you must have been on drugs, Keith. And I said, no. If I'd been on drugs, I probably wouldn't have killed anybody. I probably would have just. Look, right. most of these people I killed were on drugs or had done it, and they were probably, that was right. their norm. That was out of my comfort zone. But as far as I was concerned, that uh, he thought right. that I must have been on drugs, or he, he blamed Uncle Charlie. Uh, you must have a, a, a bad gene or something <laughs> along the way, or, you know, yeah, it was it's right. always uh, trying to th- find blame somewhere, where to put it. And I said, no, it's just just one of the things that happened, Dad. Almost. Oh, well. Oh, I was going to say, so basically he tried yeah. to find somewhere yeah, else to lay the blame than at your feet. He didn't understand it. And he still does. Well, he's, he's passed away now, but he, he right didn't now. understand it. Yeah. And he didn't care to understand it. You know? Right. This floor, this whole thing okay. floored the whole, whole no, family. I mean. This is not something that. You get over. Right. You just... You... Well, no, and that's that's why it's like, you know, uh, the other family aside, you know, because you said you were really close with your dad. I wanted to know what how he, you know... Well, my, my dad would say, thank you know, God your mother's no you know, longer here to, to witness this. And he'd, he'd bring it up, my mom. Okay. Pardon? Now, did he blame himself at all? Did he ever no. blame himself? <laughs> I... Okay. I, I think he was no, afraid I mean, that they would look at him as the apple didn't fall too far from his tree, right? So he didn't oh, want to. Oh, I see what is, you're saying. Is, I see what you're saying. The whole family, is, it, it just fell on his shoulders as well as everybody else's in the family. Everyone that's right. just oh, yeah. in Canada, even my non-relatives, probably heard some heat from it. This is the problem that runs with, with a crime see, like this. The, Everybody's the looking for answers, and... And they're reaching for a story, and, and they right. don't care which story they get, and they'll add to it if they have to. Right. No, and I think the reason why I asked you is if he blamed himself is because, you know, if you guys were close and everything, for something like this happening, I would, I mean, me as a mother, I'd be like, okay, what did I do wrong? What, yeah, you I know, can't blame my what, dad for you know what I'm saying? I did it on my own. I'm not going to blame mom. I, I no, I knew that, but I was wondering if... They didn't, they didn't, they didn't no. tell me they loved me enough or something like that. That, 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 that doesn't fly. I did all this on my please, own. And this, is, this is something that <laughs> they had no control over. Right. And you couldn't see it coming from a mile right. away. Matter of fact, I was asked a question, well, you know, is when, when did it shock you that you killed someone? The very first time I did it. I mean, this is just... It, Right. Yeah, because I remember you. We talked about that too. That up until the moment you killed Tommy, never you never, never even contemplated it. it before. It's yeah. not like, not yeah. It's not something that you were like fantasizing about or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, 
Okay. No, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you're getting this part out because it's a totally different well, the than what the reports, what any of the reports are saying. Yeah, they want to label it a certain way. And right. It's what it everybody wants everybody to hear. Think, oh, yeah, that must be it then. One minute remaining. There's one minute remaining, and I think that's it yeah. today, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And okay. Scott should be back next week. We'll continue um, on. Yeah, but no, I'm glad we had this. Yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation today. You you okay. cleared up a so lot today. I'll I'm really glad. I'll check if you're visiting or not. Yeah, let, okay. let Scott know or whatever, or you can call me. I think I gave you my All number. Right. My yeah, number's registered day. with the state, so. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. It sounded like there was a lot of information that got exchanged there. there Sounds like a really good know, call. We actually had, uh, we exchanged a lot of information and we cleared a lot of things up because you and I had talked about it because remember how we had talked about how his dad was abusive and a, um, almost every article we read said his dad was abusive. Right, right. And singled him out and everything and, you know, treated him worse than he treated their siblings and everything. And so I'm glad that we finally cleared the air on that one because you and I had the conversation off the air t- amongst ourselves that, okay, I want to know, was his dad abusive and he just thought it was natural because he grew up that way? Or, you know, or was it just discipline that everybody's looking back on thinking, oh, you know, maybe he shouldn't have whipped you with a belt. But that was our generation. Right. And I, you I, know. I, I see that a lot in today's society. People, you know, uh, they, they get up in arms when they find out that you were spanked with a belt or a switch or whatever but that's our generation our generation got some ass whoopings our generation if you didn't get your ass whooped at least once you were spoiled yeah you know pretty much yeah and so it was really good to know that you know yeah his dad did drink but he wasn't a mean drunk and he wasn't one that you know as soon as he started sipping on the bottle they had to go hide and they didn't know when the explosion was coming yeah, he got a little belligerent sometimes, but you and I both know how drunk people get. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because we're drunk people. I was going to say, because you and I are drunk people. But at the same time, him and his dad had a close relationship. He says him and his dad chose to do things together. You know, it wasn't that his dad singled him out. It was they chose to spend that kind of time together. Well, I'll tell you something, man, uh, and, and I'm going to get more hate mail about this, but some kids really need an ass whooping these days. <laughs> you, you know what? I will say that till my dying breath. Just saying, a little ass whooping could go a long way with some of your little tiny crotch right. goblins. Well, and I also found it, int- I mean, because that was a big thing with me that really, you know, made a difference. And and also the fact that, you know, he also talked about how his family, he says, yeah, they kind of abandoned me. He goes, but I don't blame them. Right. I heard that part. Yeah. Of the and to me, anything. it was just like, you know, that said a lot about his character because it wasn't a poor me. Why aren't they here for me? Why aren't they writing me type of thing? Well, well he said the same thing to me uh, on a few phone calls that him and I've had off air. Right. Um, when we were talking about his family. He's, but I understand, man, because, you know, it, they could be thinking, hey, man, did, did it rub off on his brothers? Like, right. are they going to start killing people? So I, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Right. And there's also the fact that you he has, he has also come to the realization that, you know, he's in prison. They're not. They yeah. have to go on with their lives, which I said, which I thought, like, said loads about his character, too. And then when we started talking about how, you know, the news, the reports are saying that he had his first sexual encounter at the age of 14, and he later said it was rape, I wanted to clarify that. You know, it's like, okay, were you the one that raped her, or were you the one that got raped? You know, because it happens both ways. But those kind of stories feed into that sado, uh, exactly. that, that sadosexual masochist right. uh, thing, that narrative that I have found is very prevalent in a lot of the books, and right, a lot of the right. blogs and things like that. Cause, and it, Okay, so I was listening to last week's call, right? Uh-huh. And you really hit it on the head where a lot of people seem to regurgitate what they, what they oh, see yeah. on like Wikipedia or Murderpedia. Or, right, or because, they'll watch one documentary and that's gospel truth. Yeah, and it, it, you know, yeah. Like, hey, if it's on the internet, it must be true type right, of bullshit. Right. You know, and uh, th- there's a lot more complexities that go on, not just with Keith, but with but with, with everybody. everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's it's more, and um, some authors choose to juicy it up, and that's what uh, Jack Owen had actually told Keith. Right. Is hey, your story wasn't juicy enough. Well, I had to kind of, you know, I, embellish a little bit. 
what I thought was kind of the most bizarre, I mean, part about our whole conversation this week was that um, I had to explain to a uh, a supposed sexual sadist what sexual sadism was. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, a little, was, little weird. Yeah, because it was like people say he's a sexual sadist. He liked rape. He liked, you know, all this other stuff. Well, when you say to somebody, well, they say that you got your sexual sadism because this crazy Uncle Charlie was sex- a sexual sadist. He goes, what does that mean? Like, he liked to do it. Anally? No, that's not what that means. So I kind of had to explain to him what it meant. And it kind of like hit me as bizarre. How? Where does that like line up that he himself is a sexual sadist? You know, it juices up the story. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly what it is it. right there. All right, let's wrap this one here. Up, you ready? I'm ready. Remember, boys and girls, you can send me more hate mail because get plenty of hate mail. Yeah, at Brutal Nation at Twisted Blue LLC dot com, and I will respond to your to your he, messages. He, he will. He he does not hold back. He yeah. will respond. I have no filters, y'all, None. because I'm half retarded. <laughs> yeah, he's half stupid. <laughs> hey, hey, I prefer mental midget. Okay. <laughs> You know what? I have no words right now. <laughs> Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blog, just type in at Brutal Nation. We should pop right up for you. Get the full story without any of my BS. We have a YouTube channel. Just check out uh, Brutal Nation on YouTube. We're going to be putting up some more stuff there. What else? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Make sure to like us on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter and stuff, too. We're kind of behind on our Twitter because, you know, we're trying to get everything, you know, so that it's all flowing. But we're always on Facebook. No, that's true because I I check that every Because you're always there. (laughs) I'm always there. I check it when I'm on the toilet. Because if you're not in jail, you're on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) I meant Facebook jail, by the way. Facebook jail. Freaking awesome. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And remember, if you're hearing any part of this on anybody else's podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.